Hi, I'm Margaret Cho. Welcome to Monsters of Talk. I'm here with my co-host. Hello, I'm Jim Short. Jim, today we are in New York City, and we have with us a, a very illustrious guest, somebody who I've known um, not personally for a long time, but I've known of your work for a very long time, Tristan Termino, who is an incredible author and an incredible authority on polyamory. And as I was discussing with you earlier, and Lee Turgeson, uh at uh, the Joy Behar, Joy, Joy Behar show, where she was just on. She is the world's foremost authority on anal sex. I am. <laughs> I mean, now... I didn't used to be able to say that because I just want to do a shout out. The world's foremost authority on anal sex used to be Jack Morin. He wrote yeah. the very first book and he just passed away. Right. Literally within this week. Oh, really? Oh, oh really? yeah. Yeah. I wrote a, a tribute to him on my website. Mm. So, um, So he's the man who started it all. But... I sort of have become known for anal sex. I mean, it's That's just what I've I've known you for. And then you brought your second edition of your 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 book, which I already have the the first edition of. Um, it is Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women, and it really is um, it is the Bible, the anal Bible for women because it's a different thing for men and for women. Yeah. It's all different. I mean, we cover a lot of stuff around male pleasure, too, because essentially it's for women with all kinds of partners. So there's actually a whole chapter on male anal pleasure. If, in fact, you're you're a woman who has a male partner and wants to Mm -hmm. experience, you know, giving anal pleasure to him. So it covers a lot of ground, but it's written from a woman's perspective, primarily for women of all sexual orientations. Well, we were discussing you. Actually, you were in the makeup room. And Lee and Jim and I, I was explaining to them um, how I, I know you and your work. And I was explaining that you are the world's foremost authority on anal sex. And we were talking about you. So Jim said. Well, oh, that we were talking about? We yeah. Were, uh, yeah. <laughs> how do you know when you, you're talking about, how do you as the pet person know that you're talking, being talked about? It, your asshole is burning. We were wondering. <laughs> I think um, sometimes <laughs> I would, it, right? I would yeah. say burning has such negative connotations. Yeah, I know, right? I would say that my ass twitches or tingles mm-hmm. probably when people talk about me. Right. Yeah. Because right. it's, it's just that figure of speech. Like your ears well, are burning. Your I mean, asshole is burning. The thing is, is that you look like such a, a beautiful, but also kind of a small town girl. <laughs> so we just wouldn't assume that you would be the world's foremost authority on anal sex because we have a, an idea of what somebody who likes anal would be like. I don't know who I'm thinking of. Lou Reed? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's almost quintessentially it. It should be just Lou Reed. I it's, mean, is it, it... That's a perfect day. Do you, right. Do you, picture, <laughs> do you picture someone with like... Lots of tattoos, or I have yep. a few tattoos. I have a giant tattoo on my leg, which you can't see. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I have some, you know, body piercings, which you also can't see. Um, so, I, and I don't think of, it's so funny, I don't think of myself as the girl next door anymore, really, because, hmm. you know, I, I just don't. But you're sort of like um, like Marianne, Marianne on Gilligan's Island. You're sort <laughs> of like that sweet, um, like you've got a pie cooling somewhere, and... Um, there's just a darling quality There's to a little you. bit of asshole burning and pie cooling. <laughs> all, ra- all wrapped up in one. All wrapped up in one. But it, exactly. but it is. But that, that's the thing. When the, when the introduction is the authority on anal sex, that's like, because so, you go, wow, that's so wild. Like, but who is this? Right. And, and how do you get to be that? Right. Well, okay. So this goes back to um, when I first wrote this book, it was my very first book that I've ever written. Uh, first, The first edition came out in 1998. Before that, I had published a couple collections where I was the editor. The publisher, Cleus Press, which is this small, feminist, queer, awesome press, basically you know, went out to every author that they had published thus far and said, we want to start a new sex education series, but we want the books to be on single subjects. Mm. So if you can write about just one subject in sex, what would it be? And I was like, I know the answer. I know the answer. So I wrote this proposal and it was called The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women. And I remember them calling me and being like, um, (laughs) huh, okay, see this, I don't know that we can launch the series with this. Like, I don't know that this is the first thing that everyone is like dying to read, but Mm. bless their heart, 
they published the book. Yeah. They did. Wow. And I wrote it because it was basically a book I wanted to have on my own bookshelf. Right. I, I felt like there were so few resources about anal sex. Right. I mean, I love anal sex and I loved it back then. And I knew I couldn't be the only woman who right. loved anal sex. When I went looking for stuff, I mean, every sex book had a chapter on oral sex, on positions, on all this stuff. And then there would be no mention of anal sex or mm. like a little paragraph, like in The Joy of Sex, where it says anal intercourse. And then the first sentence is, this is best avoided. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I was like, that's not fair. And so I had done my own <laughs> research. I mean... At that point, it's the 90s, right? And so we're at the height of the AIDS crisis. And there was a lot of information, like community-based information, like peer-to-peer mm -hmm. -peer education among gay men. And you could find out a ton of information. But there really wasn't information that was written by women, right. taught by women, geared for women. Right. And so I was like, I mean, I'm just going to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So and I, it's brave. So I did. <laughs> no, it's great. It's kind Because it's. I guess it's kind of like a real taboo and it the the ideas or maybe the stereotype or the 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 story that's out there is that most women don't want it and don't right. like it and aren't going to like it exactly. and should never do it exactly right. and but, that stereotype persists yeah. i was just saying that to margaret before we got on that you know there was this major women's magazine who did an article on anal sex super groundbreaking because they've never devoted an article just to anal sex. They've mentioned it in other articles, right? Mm. And the subtitle was something like, that thing your boyfriend wants you to do. Right. Which I feel like perpetuates the stereotype, which is that first, all men want it, which mm -hmm. isn't true. Mm -hmm. And then second, when women have it, they do it just to please their partners. They sort of right. give in to right. them. It's like you're doing something for him. And it's like, oh, okay, whatever. I guess I'll have a cocktail and just think of England or whatever you do. <laughs> and, you know, I'm here to say that there are women out there who love anal sex, who crave it, who initiate it, who right. ask for it, and who have amazing pleasure from it. You know, people ask me this, Tristan, like, what is the deal with anal sex? Like, why are you so hung up on anal sex? And I want to be snarky most of the time and say, oh, I don't know, the mind-blowing orgasms? Who do you think? I'm doing it for my health? I mean, right. I am. But, you know, <laughs> I'm in it for the orgasms, people. No, it does, it, it does definitely have an impact on the body. You know, it is an alarming thing. It can be shocking. It can be painful. If you do it wrong. If you do it wrong. Yeah. And if you do it in a way that you're not ready for. So there are lots of different ways to do it. And I think that, it's something that I've taken great pleasure in, but at the same time, I have to be ready for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have to be really ready for it because it's pretty, it's pretty, it can be pretty tough. I also think it's like a quintessential exercise in the mind-body connection. Right. Because truthfully, you have to be on board just 100%. If you're ambivalent, if you're anxious, if you've had a stressful day, if you're not sure about it, that registers in your ass. I mean, I can put one finger in someone's ass and know exactly the day they've had. I, and I can know where this <laughs> is going to go. Not a perfect day, not like Lou Reed. <laughs> I mean, I can know where it's going to end up, how many fingers I'm going to get in there, if it's going to all work out. I mean, I, I can. But, you know, I've had my finger. I mean, I've had my hands in a lot of asses. So I'm not saying everyone can do that. But the ass is a sensitive, delicate place. True. So you cannot mess with it. You cannot jam things in there. You cannot, whoops, right. I slipped. I'm going in that hole. Right. No way. Not even the professionals do it that way. Right. Everyone has to warm up. Everyone needs lube. Everyone has to mentally prepare themselves. It's Everyone. intimate. It's intimate and it's very close. Yes. And it's something that I think women have to really prepare for. What's great is that when you're getting older, as I am, it does um, enhance vaginal tightness. Mm. Like for me... So do you want like it in both holes at once? Yeah. Well, ah. that's, that's, that's sort of my um, impetus. That's sort of my um, intention in anal is to have um, something in both. So I'm a DP. You're a DP girl. Kind of a girl. Look at well, you. Well, I mean, I'm just trying to just sort of utilize all the space I have. <laughs> this is New York City. Right. After all. Maximize that square footage. <laughs> you know, people are fighting for space, for square footage. And yes. so that's my kind of intention that I'm setting. I mean, for me, I'm just trying to um, make do, really. But anal... What sets. about just straight anal with some clitoral stimulation? 
That would have to go with a magic wand or a yeah, Hitachi. No, yeah, I, of course. I, I, that's totally doable. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, for sure. For, for sure. sure. For yeah. sure. You know, give the vag a rest. Yeah. And just go. For me, it's just way more intense. Mm. You know, everyone is built slightly differently. And there are these theories out there about a tipped uterus or like, you know, how your curves are inside. I don't know. I just know that for me, it is way more physically intense Mm. when I have anal penetration and something on my clit than any other thing I can do, including just clit stimulation, including vaginal penetration plus clit stimulation. Like, Anal for me is where the mind blowing sort of body rocking orgasms are. Mm, mm-hmm. It just is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have a G spot. So that's my um, oh, handicap. Oh, Margaret, you have a G spot. Everyone has a G spot. Do you think so? Yes. Okay. Let's, let's just go through this. Every, every single woman has a G spot. Anyone with a female body. It's, it's the urethral sponge. We know it's there. Everyone has one. Mm. The thing is, you may not have... You may not like G-spot stimulation. Oh, maybe that's it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or you may have a G-spot that doesn't swell with enough prominence to mm. find it. Do you feel like you have trouble finding it? Or no, you feel like you find it and it's... No, but I've gone looking. Like like for Dr. Livingston, I've gone looking <laughs> and I've had um, people out... Expeditions. And have you had others Expeditions. look? Have you had others look? I've had, a little, I've had the G-spot injection. I've had collagen no, you didn't. injected oh, my into God. my... Um, urethral sponge and right. cervix i mean a needle going in and injecting a bead wait but it, the, the, if collagen. it's in your cervix that's too far back so it's no it's right it, inside it it's uh, sort of by my urethra like yeah they yeah. um they actually i know what it is yeah. I, know, I know the procedure it's no like, i've had the procedure <gasps> and i had it on camera for oh um gosh. which rico did that was oh. another thing that rico did <laughs> was uh had me do on the cho show had a g-spot injection actually selene was like laying next to me and holding me for the procedure and it was really <laughs> intimate painful. and beautiful for us it was painful because first needle. well they inject a needle into you to um inject novocaine right but it's the numbing needle like when that's they, the when painful they, yeah, the, and then it's numb and then part no then, i could find your g-spot i mean that might be a different on a different occasion and you're busy i know <laughs> but i have found the g-spots of people who claim not to have g-spots oh really i have yeah where are they <laughs> You mean the people or your G-spot? No, 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 the G-spot. Okay. Where are the people? (laughs) Where are the people? Do you need references? Yeah. I I can get references. Okay. And there's this one. Well, I believe you. No. So one thing I think is people go too far in. That's one of the things is that it's really right inside. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I feel like people go too far in. It's Mm. really just inside, short fingers, right on the front wall. Mm. And you have to be really, really turned on. So if you like the Hitachi Magic Wand, I would start with... Let's get the Hitachi magic wand on you. Can you have more than one orgasm in a yeah, session? Yeah, oh yeah, okay. yeah, for sure. So great. So I would, we'd get one orgasm out of the way, get you like juiced up, ready, sexy, hot, turned on, and then go looking. Because mm. you've really got to be aroused. Once you're really, really, really aroused, it swells, it becomes more prominent. You can feel the texture differently through that front wall. Oh. It's just way easier to find. See, I think some people who say they can't find it are, are like going from zero. Like they're just going, hey, let me find it for you right now. Well, we're just sitting right. here on the couch. We're mm-hmm. not like in it. So sometimes I think people sort of prematurely go looking. Right, right. Yeah, no, you have one. But that said, we could find it and stimulate it. And then you could say, oh, that's it? Oh, yeah, no. Because I know plenty of women who say that, that they're just like, yeah, that's just not my thing. It's too much of a buildup. Well, no, it's just that it, they just know their bodies and they're like, okay, that, no, I, okay, I feel that, but, mm. mm-hmm. yeah, it's like too much hype. It's like young that's Einstein. That's but it's like it's supposed to be like this uh, unbelievable right. and then you go, eh, all right. And that's kind of like, I, I, that's I, just I the media the hype it. too. <laughs> I mean, it's not a magic button. There's no magic buttons. That's the thing. No, exactly. No, yeah, so. You're right. You're right. I mean, but it's like when you are um, somebody that's writing about sex, that you're talking about sex a lot, do people expect a lot from you sexually do you think that that's because you are an authority on anal sex and sex in general and also polyamory yeah so yeah and do people expect that from you to be a super sexualized person no this is a great question because i mean when i started out my career and it's like the late 90s I, when I was writing my Village Voice column, I would go on these like sex adventures and write about them, these first person essays. And it was really fun. And I really will try anything once. Mm -hmm. I mean, like anything. I mean, like the adult babies, the diapers, everything. Yeah. 
No, just for journalism. Of course. I mean, to write. To no, write but I mean, it's yeah, a curious it's, 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 thing. You, you yeah. think, well, people get pleasure from this and they really right. are dedicated and to it. So. Yeah, why are they into it? So I'm curious. So, um, so I did, I mean, I've done everything there is to do. And I used to be a really big exhibitionist. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been, I was in my very first porn movie back in 1999. Mm-hmm. I did an all anal gangbang. I didn't bring you oh. that movie, but I, I will send that to you. Oh, please do. Um, and that was really fun. And I used to go to play parties and orgies and, you know, dungeons and all that stuff and there was a point at which I I mean I feel like it was maybe like in the mid 2000s where I remember I was in a dungeon in a foreign city and I started to do a scene with these two boys like I was like you know I had them on the bed and I was like taking one's clothes off or putting a butt plug in one or whatever and I was just sort of like getting my stuff together like on a table get organized and I turned around and there was like an audience of a hundred people. <gasps> oh my god! And I was like, "Oh, no." Hmm. Okay. Where'd they come from? You didn't know that it was no, no, like no, a no. live thing. No, no, yes, but people watch people at, at play parties. That, oh, yeah, okay. that's, not a, that's not a that's not a thing. Oh, of course, I know I'm going to be watched. But then all of a sudden, it was like a performance. It right. was yeah, everyone a show. Everyone up. was like, like yeah. "Tristan's over there playing. We got to go see what she's doing." Right. The minute that happened, I was like, "Okay, no, I can't. No." I, I, it was just like a tur- it was like a switch turned and I was like I don't think I'm an exhibitionist anymore I kind of yeah. think oh, now right. I'm in a phase of being really private like I just I've done this way too much and now you have these expectations of me right. and that's putting way too much pressure on me and also taking me out of the moment right I don't want to really perform for everyone. I, right. I kind of want to do my thing. And then if you want to watch, you can watch. But I right. don't want it to be like Tristan Taramino. I don't want anyone like live tweeting my scene. Okay. Well, yeah. That's just not. It's that not kills hot. my it kills boner it. in a huge way. No, it kills it. I think play parties are really. I mean, I've done a lot of that too. Yeah. And I think it really. It, it just brings another element in where it's like, I don't like this. You know, I don't I don't think this is a turn on anymore. Yeah. No, it used to be, though. There was definitely a time where I wanted to be watched and I wanted to be looked at and I totally yeah. got it. And then it just changed for me. Then it just becomes really David Blaine. <laughs> then it becomes like this weird, like mm-hmm. you're hanging in a box yeah. for 30 days or right, whatever. Right, right, So I do, it's so, not pleasurable. So in answer to your question, yes, I feel that there are all these sort of assumptions about me. And right. so there's some sort of level of pressure to perform. Right. And then also the older I get, the more my sex drive changes. Right. I don't know if you've found this. Oh, mine's quite waned. Yeah. I mean, everyone's like, you're you're 42, you're at your sexual peak. And I'm like, tell that to my hormones and my genitals. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really not as interested in it as I was. I mean, I am in a way, but not. You know, and it's it's yeah. hard to deal with that hormonal change. Yeah, it is. And my partner is younger than me, seven years younger than me. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely a disparity there, which is where the open relationship stuff comes in. Right. Because I feel like um, my friend Reed got me this shirt, which I really love. And it says, I'm not monogamous. I'm just lazy. Right. <laughs> right. I feel like I'm very much in that phase right now, mm-hmm. which is that like, I kind of don't have the time and energy to pursue or anything. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, know, I have yeah. a lot of shit going on. I and do too. Right. Yeah, I feel yeah. like a tremendous amount of pleasure from my friendships mm-hmm. and my work. And so it's like there's that that thing, that need, that drive to sort of be desired. Right. And of course. It's not as powerful for me as it was when I was in my 20s. Well, I feel not, like, yeah, for me, it's not sexualized. Right. Like I'm so, somehow getting my needs met that maybe I got met with sex before in a different right. way now. Well, I think I think that's when you get older. You realize you, you every puts this emphasis on that stuff. Right. And as you get older, you go, well, that's part of it. But there's other shit too that gives yeah. you fulfillment and enjoyment yeah. as well. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then that, you know, you can just do that when 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 you want to. It's not like you go, oh, I got to go do this or right. whatever. Right, right. And but, sex can still be amazing and transformative and, you know, take you to all these places. But... I feel um, I feel like I've also done a lot. I mean, I've experienced those amazing peak sexual experiences. Mm-hmm. And so there's part of me that is like, yes, I've done that. And there's 20 people in the room and everyone, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I've hung upside down. I've, I've done it. And so it's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Upside what? down is hard. You, you get, uh, I get a head rush. Upside yeah, down? Yeah. yeah. That's going to be, how long can you do that? Not long. Well, Let's say you got to make it quick, right? I think you got to make yeah. it quick. But there's something... I, I just have to admit this. 
<laughs> I love watching those upside down blowjobs in porn. <laughs> There's something about that that just oh, when somebody gets picked up, yes, and, yes, like, by held, their feet like, and yeah, dangled, yeah, 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 right. and then they give like this expert blowjob. That is like skill. There's some breathing going on there. There's some. There's yeah. just a, a sort of a physics that really that I it's I physic, sort of it's really Leonardo da Vinci in a way I, I look in wonderment kind of like at the, it I just like that drawing of the the, 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 hand, the arms yes. out yeah yeah, yeah that's really like wondrous it is wondrous. wondrous it's wondrous I I've had that I've had that at Kink um, at the Armory in San Francisco an upside down yeah. whatever and um, yeah it was really crazy but then they couldn't hold uh, it was so heavy they couldn't hold me you are not so heavy you get well, somebody who can like. <laughs> I, I just picture like some gangster movie where they're holding you by the ankles. <laughs> oh, right. And like about to waterboard <laughs> you hanging, or something. Oh, you're hanging <laughs> down the building and there's a, a oh. window open. And it's yeah. <laughs> oh, God. It's no. really ridiculous. But that kind of acrobatic Cirque du Soleil sex, I can't I don't endure. usually like it, but I have to admit in the blowjob category, I do. I don't know. It's just a weird quirk. But it's good to watch anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's porn. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, and I've done some wild things too, but the um, exhibitionism of it it, it sort of takes away. I remember one thing I did at um, Laird Assad. In, uh, oh, Laird Assad. Yeah, yes. that's a really great it's dungeon a, it's in a great LA. Old school dungeon in LA. Yeah. And it's in um, it's on Lancashire, uh, which is a very very distant part of yeah. Los Angeles. You, you right. wouldn't know it was there in a million years, and you get in there and you're like, whoa. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge, and it's it's put together by this wonderful couple, wonderful couple who have been together forever, ever, and they're just and they're um, it's a a black man and a white woman, and they've been together forever, and it's it's always interesting when black people are involved in BDSM because there's so much um, emotional weight put to slavery, mm-hmm. so that when you have a very intense um, African American presence in BDSM. They're they're really investing in it in a different way, and usually there's a sort of a masters. You've got to like, you've got to have on your show Melina Williams. So Melina Williams is African American. She's from San Francisco. She lives in New York now, though, and um, she writes in this book that I edited called The Ultimate Guide to Kink. She writes mm. about her love of submission of mm. slavery, of taboo role playing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And she's so freaking articulate and smart about it. Right. I mean, it's it's brilliant. Right. And she even does race play, which is Ooh. really controversial right. among right. people of color because there are people of color who are like, no, no, no. Yeah. You do not touch that. And there are other people of color who say, oh yeah, I'm going to go there. Like yeah. we're going to the plantation. Oh yeah. Oh shit. And I've seen her do classes on it. I mean, of course, as a white person, I get uncomfortable, which I think is part of the point, right? I mean, because we have so many issues of race, of race in our culture. But it's about owning sexuality and owning history. Yes. In a way that's really profound. Yeah. I mean, I do. Write- I do foot binding play. See. Okay, and so don't you think that that would be considered a no. form of race play? It, it is a form of race play because Absolutely. it's it's a thing about like Asian women and being like kind of like sequestered in yes. and they're such a a foot fetish and their bodies being controlled control shaped in yeah. this way and from youth and and a kind of thing i'm like fetishized but fetishized to the point that you're deforming yourself yeah so and that um is such an intense thing so i think it, it's definitely a form of of race play and very taboo very taboo but when you're talking about race and you're injecting sexuality into it it's it's so taboo Absolutely. That people get really like uncomfortable. But, but and it's like, well, you know what? This is my sexuality and we're getting off. How do you have any say in this? Right. You know, so I think race play is important to the um, discussion or the dialogue of sexuality. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I think, you know, she's really, she speaks about it so eloquently. And, and that's what you got. You guys need to talk to her. You can do a whole show on it. I'll give <laughs> you her it. phone number. Okay. I hope that's okay, Mo. <laughs> We have to call her. Um, I uh, have been to events at, uh, oh shit, what's it called? I forgot. The one downtown, the big organization. Tess. Here? Yes. Yeah, the Eulen Spiegel Society. Oh, Eulen Spiegel Society. Okay. We just call it Tess, T-E-S. Okay, yeah, Tess. So I was at the Eulen Spiegel Society maybe 15 years ago. And I was there at a big event that they were having. And um, uh, they had an MC who was sort of like Joel Gray in Cabaret. He was MCing the whole event, and he was out there, and and he he was saying, uh, "You want?" He was calling for people. He's like, "I want you to bring me somebody. Bring me this person. Bring me the head of John the Baptist, kind of Salome or whatever." And then he said, "Bring me a fat woman. 
bring me, I want you to bring me a fat woman. And everybody turned and looked at me and dragged me to him. Oh, hang on. Wait, no. like, and I was so upset by it. And my friend, uh, Becky, who was a dominatrix at the time, that she was like looking at me. And she's like, you're not fat. We went to Odessa and had dumplings afterwards. And I was almost crying from the experience. And um, uh, she was like, but you're not fat. Why, why do you care? Why do you care what people say? And I was like, because it was like a room of 50 people. And it was a sort of sex thing. <laughs> and, you know, this MC that was very in control. He had like a th- that sort of Madonna blonde ambition microphone. And he had a bowler hat, which is always signifier of power. <laughs> he said, bring me a fat woman. And everybody just turned around and looked at me. And then dragged me over to him. Like just pulled me over to him and I was so demoralized. Okay, this brings up a question that I've been wanting to ask you. Mm-hmm. And this relates back to the piece you wrote on Jezebel about going to the Korean spa. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Which was just an incredible, it was an incredible piece, oh, you know, and it got you. this huge, huge audience and thank lots you. and yes. lots of feedback. And I was thinking about it because it, it was just so intense for you to tell this story and put yourself in this really vulnerable position, mm-hmm, which is mm-hmm. what, I, what I felt like. Mm-hmm. I felt like you're at this place and you're naked, mm-hmm. literally, yeah. figuratively, in all these ways. Mm-hmm. And, and people are, you know, really just looking at you like you don't belong here. Right. And I was thinking about it when you were on The View yesterday. People were talking about this, like, girl, women of size mm-hmm. and skinny boyfriends or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... You know, I guess my question is, I feel like you've clearly gotten to a place where you can shut it, can shut that out. I think so. How does everyone else get there? I mean, I feel like the body hatred and the shaming is all around us and we're Mm -hmm. bombarded with it. So how do you get to a place where I feel like you are Mm -hmm. around your body, Mm -hmm. owning it, claiming it, loving it? Well, it's because I don't have a lot of time left to do that. You know, I'm 44, and it, realistic, it, realistically, even if I live to be 100, it's almost half over, even if it's, it's you know, 100. And so, literally, I don't have much time left to enjoy what life is. And I'm not going to waste that time being angry at myself or listening to people judging my body or judging what size I should be. Um, I've wasted enough time, you know, 40 plus years on that. So if I can have some freedom from that, that kind of slavery, which I think people endure for their entire lives, um, I can actually maybe enjoy something close to happiness in this lifetime, if I can. And it's something that I want to spread. And and that's why I'm so willing to be naked all the time, everywhere, because I think... You know, I, I, I really enjoy this. Like, I enjoy this body. This body's given me a lot of pleasure mm-hmm. and a lot of other people pleasure. Mm-hmm. So whatever it looks like in the society's mind is unimportant. Um, whatever I feel is more valuable than what people want to think. So I, I, I want the, the remainder of my life to be joyful as opposed to judging or shaming or damning. And um, that's my feeling I think but it's a very it's hard to get a there. really important message I no, think for you. people because I, I just think that that's the question like all of us I think struggle with this and I feel like there are just not a lot of role models mm-hmm. I feel like everyone's kind of perpetually on a diet right or not sort of just claiming and and I feel I guess from seeing your stand-up and and reading that piece I just feel like you've turned a corner mm. and I want everyone to be able to like go around that corner with you right it would be a good thing but I I don't know if you can really tell people that like it, I mean you you tell people but they don't really hear it they don't listen and people have such an idea of how they should be as opposed to what's real and what we feel inside mm-hmm. and now I've gone to the place where I'd rather feel what I feel inside than um, go to this idea of what people see me as or what they need to see me as or whatever, whatever that is. Um, we just don't have a lot of time, you know, in the, in the world and on the earth. So why not just make the most of it? I mean, this is it. It comes with age, I think. Yes. And it's within you mm-hmm. to let that go. You've let right. it go. It's like, it's like, doesn't matter. Mm-mm. And I think you do get to an age where you go, fucking this is what I look like. Right. right, you know, I'm I'm this old and I look like this, and yeah, you you know, for health reasons, sometimes it's nice to to be in in better shape or right. whatever. Of and, and I think you're probably in the best shape 
I think so. You've been. Yeah. And you look fantastic. Thank you. And you, you, you know, do. you keep you talking about for your age, but you look fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, because I, I see people who are my age, I'm like, fuck me. Mm. They look ancient. They look, mm. they look really old, mm-hmm. you know. I think um, some people haven't gotten the memo about the smoking, the drinking, and the sun. Well, there is. <laughs> I do it all, I mean, though. I, see, I do all I those see things. people, and I'm like, ooh, too much sun. You know, yeah. the too much sun. Yes. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know but I do face. all of that. You know, I do all the smoking, the drinking, and the sun, and all of that. But, you know, for whatever reason, I think it's okay. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really, it's hard to explain that to people, and especially younger people who are very insecure about their bodies. Right. And, their weight and everything. and well, They have to experience, they have to live to that point where they go, that shit doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, it should only matter to you. Right. If, if you want right. to go for that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, but you are, I mean, everybody's bombarded but with also so many though, you're in a profession where you have been fat shamed. I right. mean, there is a right. history here. It's yeah. like people looking at you and, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that went on around your, your first sitcom. Yeah, and yeah. So it's like, I think it's, doubly hard when your job is to be a public figure right. and, yeah. and have people that you don't even know commenting on your body. It's very hard. And also to be an Asian American woman where the stereotype of us is to be a certain way. So it's a very, like the, the value a lot of Asian women is about the smallness and about the yeah. petite sort of delicateness of our being or our stereotype. And, and to um, reject that outright is very... It's very difficult. So it's a hard thing to negotiate, you know, right. with your upbringing and with sort of like your sort of sexual stereotyping and the idea of who you are. So it's it's a trip. But I I feel like, you know, it's more important to just feel good in life. And I just want to impart that if I can to people, mm-hmm. if I can, and to be comfortable with myself and, and and to have been in all these sexual communities and kind of to be like, you know, I lived through all this. I lived through this. BDSM and exhibitionism and all, all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. leather and queerness and everything. Like I'm I'm kind of okay with everything now. That that really came through, you know, so I saw your show, Mother. Yes. Which you're taking around the world. Around the now. world. I saw it in Maui uh-huh, while I was great. on vacation, yes. which is like so random. Um, I, I literally was just like, got an email from someone on, I'm on some list. It was like, Margaret Cho's in Maui. And I, and I was like, wait, I'm in Maui. Yeah. <laughs> That's perfect. And we got tickets and we went with our friends. We had been staying with friends. We were on vacation with friends and then mm-hmm. we were staying with friends. So a big bunch of us went. And the first thing that struck me about the show is it's so queer. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the people, at least in the room that I was in, were straight. Right, right, right. And it's like not gay and lesbian. It's not like human rights campaign. Fun. I mean, no. it is queer, 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 edgy, right. radical. Right. There's some just, there's like your love of, you know, like butches and masculinity. And right. I mean, it like really intense stuff. And I'm just wondering like how it's, how you have the the clit to do it. Not the balls. <laughs> Thank you. Not the balls. <laughs> the clit. The clit. And what the audience reaction has been like? I mean, are there people who are like, I don't get this? <laughs> well, I think there are always people who don't get it. Right. But then are, there's also people that want to come to the show because they're buying into danger. And I think mm-hmm. that's why they buy your books, because they're buying into polyamory, anal, sexuality, positive sexuality, in a way that makes them dangerous. And they need that. Danger is almost like a drug that we need to mainline. And I think that's what people get from us and that's what's important. But in addition to making people laugh, I think you also make people uncomfortable. I hope so. <laughs> and I think that's risky as a performer. Don't you think that's risky as a performer well, to push people's I, I buttons? Think it's Maybe it, not. Though. It's part mm-hmm. of it. It for some reason we've shied away from it the last decade or so. Like, oh, everybody should just be entertained. It should be just no right. our art and especially stand-up comedy was. What's wrong with being a little bit uncomfortable? Oh, yeah. I think it's great. No, I know exactly. But I mean, but doesn't it I, seem I like society has been very much like, oh, we just want to come and I just want to, you know, detach from that and whatever. But the thing is, at this point, if you're going to see Margaret, you got to know what you're getting. In. You you have to know. Yeah, you have to know. You got to know at this point what she's going to talk about or what what the the you know not agenda, but the you know baseline, where, where, yeah, right. level of edge. From. I think so. But if you're not challenged, then. It's a problem. You know, you have to be challenged. I, I think that's what I strive for. I, mean, I would like people to be challenged. Can we be clear? We, we need to talk about the, the elephant in the room, which I guess for anyone who hasn't seen your show yet doesn't know. You actually make a joke about abortion. 
Well, that's important though because I think a lot of women have experienced that. And what I love about New York City is that you could have a menstrual extraction, which is um, illegal in most states. Um, and it's a very, very early term abortion, which does not acquire, like you don't have to sort of acquire anything else. Like you don't have to like go under anesthesia. You don't have to take propofol. You don't have to be in twilight. You don't have to have any pain physically. And I think this is a very dangerous idea to um, the pro-life people out there when abortion does not require shame. It's just shaming. such a devi- divisive issue. And so I, when you did it, I thought, oh my God. I mean, if anything's going to freak everyone out in this room, it's you joking about what I think is one of the most topical things to talk about, first right. of all. Because mm-hmm. the shit that's going on, can I say that? Yeah, of course. The shit that's going on with abortion, reproductive mm-hmm. rights, all this new legislation, mm-hmm. all these bans, all the transvaginal probes, right. all of that. I mean, so it's very timely. Right. But at the same time, it's such a button pusher for people. And I, I so I just... I love that about you. Yeah, you. <laughs> You're just willing to go but it's, there. But it's, it's the honesty, though. Right. If it if it was just a joke that that was obviously untrue, right? Then people, you know, and maybe they have a right to be like, "Oh, you're just using it as a thing." But I think when you just speak from your own truth and right. your own honesty in your life, mm-hmm. maybe you go, oh, "But the, you did it." Yeah. So you can't. Yeah. Um, no. question that really i mean that but that's that's what people forget is everyone's different everybody's experience mm. is different so mm. you can't sit out there and judge because that's her experience and not right. yours and you but come it's powerful to, see somebody to be to be put in that context also right yeah right that that it it shocks you out of the we're just having fun here we're laughing mm-hmm. and it brings your politics to the stage mm-hmm which I really appreciate because for some of us, we can't leave that at the door. Mm-hmm. Right. But then to um, be funny. So many to, comics, though, mm-hmm. they get up and there is no real truth about what, the, you know, no, yeah. and that's fine. Somebody who's just got a good jokes and good whatever. And maybe a lot of women who are going to get on stage aren't going to go that far. Right. They might be really dirty and really raunchy, mm-hmm. but they're not going to talk about the truth of it like right. that. And that's the one thing that Margaret's going to do is she's going to tell you, you're going to know yeah. a lot of her, not only her values and ideas and ethics, but her story. And mm-hmm. that's part of the story. And whereas somebody else might get up there and they might, you know, they might be really raunchy and, do- you know, talk a l- very sexual kind of stuff. But, it's all surface. There's no mm. real, you know, you go, eh, it's it, it's more jokes right. and shock value. Right. But mm. you're talking about real, your real life. Right. And real choices. I mean, that's why the, the show is called Mother, because it is talking about abortion and about no matter what, I am still technically a mother. And, you know, there, there is something that is unassailable about that. You know, I'm still capable of that, but I chose not to be. Right. And that we all have the ability to choose in our lives. And I, I wanted women to know about these choices that they have, that they can make the choice not to be and still be. You know, we're all like author of our fate. So we can decide what we want to be. And it's, it's really like, it's weird how abortion is such a taboo thing, yet there is a huge of course, a huge pro-choice movement. Yes, and and also the the fasc- one of the fascinating statistics on this is that the majority of women who get abortions are parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So there's this whole notion that it's like these crazy sluts who want to take right. their slut whore pills yeah. and just you know what I mean, like all that stuff. Right. But actually, yeah, there's a great statistic that the majority of people who have abortions are parents. Wow. Right. So there isn't this dichotomy that that the the really crazy pro-lifers want us to believe there is. Right. Right. And it it's not like such a um, scarlet letter as no. it, it's, as it's sort of made out to be. Well, that's it. That's that's the thing about it. It's like. If you really went and asked a lot of people in a neighborhood, you know, like I'm sure more than you would think have had one. The same as people who are anti-gay and you go, really, you don't know any gay people? There's no gay people in your family? Because that's bullshit. Everybody. Everybody has somebody that's, that they know. So it's just like it, this this hatred and this outrage and everything like that. You go, you sure there's nobody really close you, to you with that? Do you know that I'm a second generation gay? Oh, you are? <laughs> I am. My father was gay. Oh. Yeah. 
So I think it's called a lavender diaper baby. Oh, I love it. <laughs> or maybe we should try to make that happen. I don't know. But yeah, I'm, I'm a second generation queer. That is so cool. Proving that the queers, they have the queer kids. They're going to turn us all queer. No. Which I love. <laughs> Which we need more. Yeah. Yeah. We always need more. But it, it really has probably shaped a lot of who I am because my dad lived in Provincetown when I was oh, growing up. My parents were uh, divorced and I used to spend summers. You know what you do when you're a kid of divorced parents? You spend the summer with like the other parent. Well, oh, okay. I spent the summer with my dad oh, in Provincetown yes. working at a leather shop and hanging oh, out with drag queens. I love it. <laughs> do you know? So do you know Ryan Landry? No, he is. Um, he's now the king of Provincetown. The um, king. He does. Uh, well, he did Showgirls. Oh the queen yeah, yeah. For um, he that he is. Um, he he created Showgirls. Do you remember from back in the day? Um, Jimmy James. Of course, of course, of who course. Did Marilyn. Marilyn Monroe. So he yes. was. He and my father were really close. Oh, I mean, I knew Jimmy when I was since I was fifteen. Uh, Jimmy has always tried to lose weight, and so uh, the latest thing. Uh, Maybe five or six years ago, I was at his house and um, and Bubba, Bubba, <laughs> um, his his manager, sort of like really gravelly voiced gay guy, but very funny. And um, he, they would have tea dances at four p.m. at uh, these gay tea dances there, and he's like, "They don't have no tea cells left. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they're all dancing around a tea cell." <laughs> <laughs> so I would go to Jimmy James' house, and Jimmy was trying to lose weight, so he had a salad suitcase in his um, refrigerator where he'd gone to uh, con- what is it uh, the container store and gotten a suitcase with a lot of like plastic containers inside and then he put like corn and beets and s- sort of lettuce things and you know radicchio in each little like compartment so he could throw together a salad at any time nice he but, lives in L.A. now. Yeah, Jimmy's great. I follow him on Twitter. He's a great guy. Did, did he eat the salad or mm-hmm. did he? Oh, I forgot I, I the combination. I was confused about where the suitcase part. Because I was like, <laughs> is this being refrigerated? Yeah, was it was in the refrigerator. about the refrigeration. It was in the refrigerator. Okay. And he would keep it. He was like, girl, I need to keep it ready to go. Like and at any time? Like, because he would, you know, he would need like a salad, <laughs> like, like, like an EpiPen. Like yeah. he got stung by a bee <laughs> and he was hungry. So he, um, yeah, he would do that like for himself. But I love those guys. Those guys are great. Yeah. Yeah. Old and school. I mean, really when they school. sang, it's not even lip syncing. No. These are drag performers who sing. Yeah. I mean, it's like incredible. And Jimmy does the voices of Cher, Judy right. Garland, Marilyn, all all these great ama- amazing voices. But he's well known as a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Yes, that was okay. his claim to fame. Um, and uh, so... And he would um, talk like her, <laughs> sing her songs, oh, really? do it in her voice. It was crazy. <laughs> but uh, Bubba was so mean because Jimmy gained a lot of weight. Well, and then, it's been up and down. Through, I mean, I think Jimmy just has the gene that's well, like... Well, he, he does and he loves... He's also like five feet tall. Yeah, he's he's you a know. little guy, but he was so perfectly Marilyn Monroe. And then he said, like Bubba would say, yeah, people came out to see Marilyn Monroe and then they got Humpty Dumpty. Oh. <laughs> Bubba! And it was so mean. <laughs> the thing is, but also, he was such an amazing makeup artist and the clothes that he made the curves work. He I made I the think, curves work. I think yeah. Jimmy James, he was perfect... Marilyn Monroe impersonator. Yeah. He's the best ever. Hips. You know, he just looked like like her in yeah. every way. Yeah. Embodying that essence. Yeah. The yeah. face, the hair. I mean, it was also, he was, he was very gifted. I mean, he had like a good wig. I mean, a drag queen with a bad wig. Did you see Cher on The Voice? <laughs> Speaking of which. I did not see Cher, Cher on The Voice. Oh, my we God. Were, we were asking about that. We didn't get see online. Uh-huh. Cher wore what's been described online as two wigs, po- possibly three wigs, oh, no. one wig and her hair. It was, I love Cher. The what song, did you say? The song was, it was great. A, it, it was really intense, but I don't know what's wig, going on wig, with her head. Wig, it was like really intense and it looked cheap. Here's the thing. You can go wild. You can go crazy. It can be a faux hawk, whatever you want, Cher, but it looked cheap. It looked bad. And yeah. you're Cher. Uh, you're do, Cher. Not, do not have a cheap wig. Sorry. A wig enigma. A wig. We were talking about wigs today. A, wi- a puzzle of wigs or something like that. I said it's a wig enigma. Well, well, Lee. Lee's always um. Oh, we were talking about Lee with his with his drag. Uh, yeah, because Lee uh, was on uh, Drop to Diva, which is my TV show, and he was a drag queen, and he had two wigs sewn together. That's what it was. And it was a it was a wig enigma. Wig enigma. Okay, let's sure. talk about Drop to Diva for a moment, because talk about the girl next door. When they cover up your tattoos, oh, I know, and do you with that pretty makeup? You, you, 
It's crazy. Okay, I know this is going to sound really stupid, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. You're like a different person. No, okay, I am. I know. You're an actor, right? right. So that, I get it. You're it's still, a character. But what I'm it's saying is it's she doesn't seem that much like you. You know how someone no. like people infuse themselves into right. their and so it's like there's these shades of people. But right. when I see this character, I think there are, she's a whole other person. Right, I think so. But do you identify with it? Like what parts of her, your character Terry, do you identify with? I think I identify with her wildness. You know, she's sort of like this person that goes out to bars and sort of is, is very much a sort of partier and kind of um, older than everybody. But um, it reminds me of a nine to five. Do you remember that movie nine to five? Who, come on. Well, yes. you know that girl that set the, that with a, with a flask and she's like, at a girl. <laughs> Yeah, that's what it reminds me of is that sort of like the drunkard the at the office, the rebel. Yeah. Who's quietly destroying herself. <laughs> that's sort of, I think, that character. But, you know, it's also this idea of like, you know, how do we bring this very edgy person into a very conservative environment and make her sort of palatable for this show or whatever? Right. Because sometimes I'm amazed watching it. Like, that's Margaret mm. Cho. Do they yeah. know that she could rob a bank at any moment or no I could I, mean, I, I would. just think of you know what I mean um, so what okay what about Terry do you wish what's something you admire about Terry well I admire that she sort of um, has kind of existed in this conservative world and is able to survive but also like it's just um, it's a fun character to be in it's fun sort of vacation from everything else it's a big like it's it's a great like relief to be alleviated of that responsibility of writing for myself. Mm, so someone else is writing Somebody it. else is writing. And uh, somebody else's assumption of what I am or who I am. So it's a good sort of vacation from everything that I do. So I like that. Mm. It's like it, a different kind of outlet for It's you. a different kind of outlet and it's a different kind of way to be, uh, you know, vanilla is a flavor. Yes. And you know, we have to stop using it as a derogatory term. I've been saying this for years. Right. I, you know, vanilla to me is simply not kinky. And I, I don't want people to consider, like, to use it in this way that's like, oh, she's so vanilla right. with the eye roll. Right. Because that, you know, I, I was teaching this class recently and to other sex educators, I teach this boot camp, Ooh. teaching like business and presenting skills to other sex educators, how to, how to go do it and make a career out of it. Mm-hmm. And a woman raised her hand and said, so here's the thing. I am kind of like your everyday girl. I'm in my 20s. I'm straight. I'm white. I'm from the Midwest. I really love sex. I'm really sex positive, but I'm not really that edgy. In fact, I'm not edgy at all. And so Mm. can I do this? And I thought, oh my God, yes. First Mm. of all, look, you know your market. (laughs) <laughs> like, look, yeah. you just identified your whole market. There's a whole bunch of people in the world who can identify with you. Right. Great. But she felt in some way, because she was vanilla, that she was somehow not cool right. or not sex positive enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got to neutralize the term. Because right. I, I really, I think it's like there's this spectrum of sexuality. And just as I don't want kinky people to be seen as like the freaks in the corner. Right. I don't want vanilla people to seem like the uncool soccer mom. Right. Right. Exactly. Because it's just be a spectrum. A little Neapolitan. <laughs> <laughs> they got yes. a little bit of the others on each side. Maybe we need to make that word happen. Yeah. Neapolitan. Yeah, Neapolitan. Because there's vanilla are you, in it. Are you kinky? Are you vanilla? I'm Neapolitan. I'm Neapolitan. Hi, yeah. nice to meet you. I identify as Neapolitan. Yeah. It's got your um, it's got your vanilla or maybe but I know, a bit so of a I feel swirl. like it's a just <laughs> a bit of a swirl, but it's a you good, know? It's a good descriptive a term because when you say it, I know what you mean. Neapolitan. But I, I but I think we also have to make it not a, a, a well, sort it's of put just down. People, it's people it's people being comfortable with sexuality in general mm. and not being right. You know, like she's, oh, I like sex, I'm sex positive, but yeah. I'm just like, well, then fine. Right. Own it, enjoy it, and don't even feel right. self-conscious about it. And this is my thing yeah. about monogamous people, too. And, and I write about this in my book, and I'm really adamant about it. It's like non-monogamy is not the better way, no. the more evolved way. It is a relationship style. Right. It's a choice. Right. There are lots of different variations. I want people to know they have options, mm. but I don't want to then say, oh God, you're monogamous. How backwards of you. Right. How oh. cute. 
I mean, some of my best friends are monogamous. Right. And they're really radical people. I, I, I don't want there to be this kind of judgment leveled no. against. I just want people to choose it. If they're going to choose monogamy, I want them to do it consciously. Right. Right. I want to hear more about your relationship. Well, I mean, my husband and I have been open from the start and mm-hmm. we started that way and you know, it it was really something that we consciously decided on and it's been a lot of work, you yeah. know, and we definitely talk about it a lot and it's hard. Um, but at the same time, it works and it, you know, we've been together since the 90s, so sort of. So it must, something must be, it's not a phase. It's not a phase. <laughs> I mean, he's my partner. And right. it's, a, it's a long phase. It's a long, it's a long <laughs> phase. And it's something that, um, you know, I've seen a lot of marriages come and go. Yeah. You know, a lot of committed monogamous relationships come and go gay and straight poly not not polyamorous but totally you know just looked at us with a lot of judgment mm. but we're still standing right so i think that there is a lot of uh, gravity to what we have um but do you feel like in being so you're you're literally one of the most open people about it you right know, you don't have I think there's a lot more ethical non-monogamy happening in mm-hmm. Hollywood, mm-hmm. but no one is talking about it. And then when people do talk about it, like Jada Pinkett Smith, oh yeah, then <laughs> they backpedal. Then they backpedal. She backpedaled and said, "I don't have an open marriage. I have a grown marriage." What was but that you mean? know, but you know, know, she's burning. She, she's burning some candles. You know, you feel her braids between your legs. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I see her, I just, I just feel her braids. <laughs> brushing against my thighs and a bunch of candles burning down to the wick. <laughs> oh, Jade. <laughs> it's so funny because she's so lovely, but it's so, it's great that she had sort of come out as being open. But then she took it back kind of. So she, which, I didn't know that. Yeah, so she okay, said, so recently someone was like, oh, what about this open marriage thing? You said you're an open marriage. And she said, listen, I don't have an open marriage. I have a grown marriage. We are grown people. You know, we can, we, we, respect each other she sort of you know went around it she didn't actually say we can do whatever we want or she we have an agreement fuzzed, fuzzied it up like yeah, she fuzzied people it up like what which what made does that me shit a little even mean? uncomfortable i was like just own it and say it yeah. so why don't more people own it and say it i think because people are scared you know it's a scary thing to say i mean uh, the idea of monogamy and marriage is something that people struggle with and and they want to control and when you can have another view of it and something that's very honest, it's it's really hard for people to get their mind around. Yeah. And I think that Will and Jada have a very conservative side to them too. So they may receive some kind of a backlash. Well, a, backlash. a conservative side in that it ain't good for business. Right, right. You know, it's not good for their image, for their careers. Mm-hmm. But really, are we really going to stop casting what's... Uh, Will Smith in these giant movies if we find out he has an open marriage who cares I think it makes more, I think more they exciting. all believe that. It, it's believed isn't it it's yeah. believed by the industry it's believed by the people in it it's believed by yeah the public right everybody wants to believe this same thing like oh you don't be open you know it'll be it'll be the end and I think I don't know I mean I think that's it will you look at it we were talking about the Liberace uh, um, movie that's on HBO yeah. now. The one I have that, it on my that, DVR. I haven't seen it yet. No spoilers. No, no, no. It. I won't. But the one that um, they couldn't. Uh, it's on HBO because no, no um, major studio network. would make it. Yeah. And I was talking with some some friends of mine, and they're all in in TV and movies and stuff. Like, really, no studio would make that. That's like, sad. Yeah. Of course. Gay movies. Yeah. Gay it's like iconic. Movies. I mean, it just seems. Right. I wonder if it was more like fucking who remembers Liberace like it's right. more of an it's ageist of an age thing like, yeah, rather I than think so. you know what I mean it's like right. we don't care about anything like that I watched a bit of it last night in the hotel it was it was really good I can't wait to see it I mean it. Yeah, Soderbergh I see and, and Matt Damon Matt and, Damon and, uh, as and the, Michael Douglas it's really great it's gonna be great but you know it. is it too gay I mean there's, there's plenty of much more gay although I watched a couple of minutes of it it was extremely gay extremely gay I mean, it's but it's just but it's fucking Liberace. I mean, right? I mean, yeah. Come on, yeah, what were you, you know, expecting? There are those white mink coats. I mean, I mean, come on, nothing gayer than that. No, really. nothing no. gayer. You know, it sounds but, fabulous. But it was really good. But it is funny that like there is this perception of like if something's way gay, people won't won't watch it. Like the Bruno movie, 
right. Sasha Cohen's right, movie. Right, right, yes. that was that. The reason it didn't do as well as maybe Borat, mm. and I think it's hilarious. It's funny, yeah. It's is really that funny. people say, oh, it's way too gay. It can't be too gay for me. Not for me either. We can't be too queer, and we can't be. We can't. We can't be. I mean, too outspoken. We can't be too anything. And we just want to. Th- we want to thank you, Tristan. Thank you so, so much for coming. Where can people tweet you? The lights just went out. Someone has joined us. It's Somebody weird. has Okay, come. before we go, I have to get a scoop on my show. Yes. And that is, there was a lot of talk on the internet today. Uh-huh. Um, okay, no, I'm going to say that again. There's been a lot of talk on the internet since you co-hosted The View. Uh-huh. Saying that you may be considered for a spot as one of the new co-hosts. I want the job. So this is what I want to know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, we don't need to speculate and you don't need to, but would you take the job I if want, you were offered it? I want the job. I desperately want the job. Jim and I want to come and live in New York. We want to be part of that um, wonderful organization. We love what they do and we think we could add to it. I mean, so, I think you could change. Is there a groundswell change. of people There's a groundswell. There, no, so. there, there, there absolutely That's have right. been. And I, I feel like having you there, seeing the show, it, it it made it possible. It just seemed like things were possible. Yes. Like that you could you could do it and it would really work. I think so. And also since Elizabeth Hasselback's gone, because I don't want to put you I don't want to put you on a show with Elizabeth Hasselback daily. I think that might really well, wear I, you down. I get along with her, you know. Really? I think she's great. You know, there there uh. is um she and I, you know, we we agree on gluten free. Okay. We agree. So we agree on and what, she what has else? A whole glu- she says it gluten. We agree. That's to it. Gluten free. We agree <laughs> to gluten free. She says it with a hard T. A gluten, gluten. Okay. free. Not gluten. No. Okay. It's and she's no. not leaving. She's not leaving. Are you sure? We're There's not all sure. these rumors, I thought but she I don't know and if she Joy is. were leaving. Well, I know Joy is leaving. Joy is Joy's definitely leaving. leaving. Okay, but well, I think Barbara's retiring. I think right. people we mean need to make it happen because I you want it. would be so radical on, on the morning TV. Yeah. And I think that it would really change. You could make change. There. I I would love that. Thank you. I would in love people's to. living rooms. You know what I mean. Well, the appearance was I great yesterday because it was great. What they need is somebody who's funny, confident, mm-hmm. somebody who who's who owns themselves. Yes. Yeah. And who can who can uh, a sit there and bullshit with everyone yeah. about the, about the light subjects and but then, then and then go when we get to Steubenville, right? Really call because. They, you know, that's the other thing is there's been a lot of backlash about what everyone said about Steubenville except you. Right, right. Because I didn't think they handled it very well. Whoopi was like, girls shouldn't be taking drinks from strangers. I was like, Whoopi, really? We're going to blame the, the victim? You can't really? blame the victim. And, and you were just unapologetically like, hello, no. Like you well, just shut them no. down. And, and the so subject? I, well, Serena Williams Serena said, Williams' comments about she said the Steubenville. The girl was yeah. lucky to get away, get away unscathed or right. whatever or would, no it, it, it could have been worse and what was she worse. doing getting so drunk so kind of blaming the victim and it, then she clarified but it was yeah but it's blaming the victim and it's like yeah i've had enough of that and i've been a victim of sexual violence i i know i had no part in that no no matter what no girl who was a victim to that had anything to do with that no matter right. what they were wearing no matter what they were doing what they drank but yeah. holding your own you held your own, yeah, and you mm. were the voice of sanity on that issue, especially, which was a he- heavy issue. Which is yeah. what you're saying. It was yeah. a heavy mm-hmm. issue. It was not like, ooh, portobello fries, which you also which did great. Right. You also did great on but that that's too. What you need to you need the balance. To, but, but that's that's being a, a fully formed person, right? And 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 somebody who can step into all of that. And that's the thing because it, 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 that's that whole hot topics thing can get really heated and get yes. really serious. Right. And you go, oh, well, we've got some jokes pre- pre- prepared for some things. Right. But, you know, this is not a moment for joke. This is a moment for actual real deal, well, you yeah. know, right. honest opinion. Thank you. Well, I just want to protect young women and I want to protect their sanity and know that no matter what they do, it's okay. If you're victimized, it's not your fault. Well, it's, it's, right. It is weird. Like, And I don't even know even that much of the details of that whole case, but... People are going, oh, these young boys' lives are ruined. I don't give a fuck about them. I don't give a guys. fuck about them. I know. I don't they give a fuck if their lives are ruined. Promising careers. Fuck really? Promising high school athletes. I mean, that's the thing is that the focus always gets put back on the victim and right. not on the perpetrator. The perpetrators are the ones who should be shamed right. in public. Mm-hmm. Well, if you not, rape well, somebody, it's over. For, yes. for years and yeah. years. Yeah. And aren't they in a juvenile thing and they'll get out at some point? Yeah. Yeah. 
Like they're, they're only in for a little while. No, right? they're not. They did not they're get. Juveniles. Yeah, they did not get like ten or fifteen years or no, no, or certainly anything. not. No, more like two or less than that. And it for rape, that's nothing. No. And that's it's it's a terrible precedent to set. Um, but you know, when you rape somebody, you scar them for life. Yeah, and it's really. It and you is need an awful to be crime. held accountable right. for your behavior, which is part of what was going on before the whole case blew up. It was clear that some people were trying to protect them. And, you know, in that sort of football macho, oh, right. these boys are just being wild. No. Let's not make a it's big deal unacceptable. out of this. Let's excuse this yeah. because, they're, no. because they're athletes. Right. It's, unaccept- it's unacceptable. And you're going to scar this woman for life and, you know, just handicap her for that you know, idea of sexuality, it, it really, rape really scars a person. And the, that can't be taken lightly. And it cannot be excused because of a promising sports career. No, when you rape somebody, it's over. It's over. Well, we've ended on this light note. <laughs> I want to tweet you. I want to thank you guys for this conversation. You're the which best. Is amazing. My Twitter is at Tristan Taramino, but I'll spell it. T-R-I-S-T-A-N-T-A-O-R-M-I-N-O. It's my given name. Uh, so everyone in high school can find me on Facebook. Um, and you can also go to my website yes. for adults only, puckerup.com. <laughs> And they can listen to my radio show at sexoutloudradio.com. Awesome. Where can everyone find you? Uh, we're on um, soundcloud.com. We are on iTunes. We are, I, I'm at Margaret Cho. You can tweet us at Monster Talk. Where can they tweet you, Jim? At Jimmy Shelter. Yes. Um, That's a really good, by the way. Jimmy Shelter. <laughs> good handle. Like it. It's like a good it. handle. We are everywhere. We love our fans and we love Tristan. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. We love you. This has been the most enlightening conversation and a great thing and um, of course we love our listeners Uh, we will talk to you next time